Testament passage today begins in Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. First, he speaks to the wives. He said, submit to your husbands. He doesn't say submit to every man walking down the street wearing a pair of pants. Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So this is not God being misogynist. This is not Paul being misogynist. This is understanding family order. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And then he said, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, that's a really cool thing. Now, it's very easy, as we've taught you in Ephesians, it's very easy for for wives to be submissive to their husbands when the husbands love their wives. But he also said, husbands, do not be harsh with them. Now, Now, guys, come on, straight talk. We're not as good with words as our ladies, okay? Like, People say women speak twice as many words per day as men do. And when I teased my wife about it one day, she said, well, you know, if, the, if you men would listen, we wouldn't have to speak as much. And so we had a good laugh together. But guys, sometimes our words are like big, heavy boulders, big, heavy stones. And when we speak, our words really crush our wives. Don't be harsh with your wife. Learn to speak gently to your wife. Treat your wife like a flower, not like a rock that you have to break, all right? So don't be harsh with your wife. And then he says, children, we're talking about family order here. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, young people, that causes obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And then he says, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, Guys, we don't speak harshly to our wife, and guys, we don't provoke our children. Now, one of the things that you learn as a father, after your kids have grown up and Shah's 30 now, is is one of the things that you learn is that um, they have opinions very quickly in life. Like, it is amazing how quickly a baby will show their own opinions about food, how quickly a child will decide what they want to wear and what they don't like to wear. And you you have to learn, if you're going to develop a a child with strong self-esteem and and learning to speak their mind, you you have to learn to let them do that and and don't provoke them, don't don't push them, don't don't put them into a corner so that they get discouraged, all right? Then he says slaves. Now, again, we don't like that word slaves today, but in the ancient Roman world that Paul lived in, slaves, you were either a slave owner or you were a slave, all right? Now, in today's modern economy, we don't have slaves, but we have employers and we have employees. So we would want to translate this today as employees. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Okay, so if if you are told to do something by your boss, you should obey. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing or respect Respect for the Lord. Now, bottom line, this is what we're looking at. He said, if you're an employee, you need to obey what your boss asks you to do and not just trying to be a people pleaser when they're looking, but with real sincerity of heart. Why? Because you respect them? Maybe not, but you respect the Lord. You fear the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. Whatever as for the Lord, not for men. So all the hard work you do at a job, 
is not to please a boss. Because forgive me, sometimes in the secular world, you have really bad bosses, all right? But you're not doing this to please that boss. But if you go get a bad attitude toward the boss, you know what? You're the one who always loses. Let me say that again. You're the one who always loses. So work hardly for the Lord, knowing that from the Lord, not from the boss, not from the company, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So whether you work at Chevron or whether you work in a call center or whether you work in a manufacturing company or whether you're an accountant, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave you that job. He said, now the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. See, he said, now listen, if, if you mess up with this, the wrongdoer is going to pay a penalty for that. All right? when, when you do wrong in your company, you're going to pay a penalty for that. And he said, you know what? When the boss does wrong to you, he is going to pay, pay a penalty for that. There is no partiality in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, so this would be employers, treat your say. Treat your slaves or employees in today's world justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. He said, now listen, <laughs> you, you don't mistreat people because they work for you, because you also have someone that you are accountable to. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. All right, now how are you watchful in prayer? How do you stay spiritually alert in prayer? It's with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. All right, so here's prayer for pastors. Now, Paul said, when I'm writing this to you, he said, I'm in prison. He said, right now, I'm in prison. He said, but I want you to understand, God will open a door to us for the word. Now, God does not open a door for pastors for business. God opens a door to pastors for the word. There's an important thing there. Notice there. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. All right, this is how a sermon should sound. So a, a sermon should make things clear. That's how a sermon should sound. So pray for pastors that God will open a door for us to preach the word and that when we preach, our preaching will be clear. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, these are the unsaved. He said, you know, be wise. Be wise in your relations with unsaved people. And he said, make the best use of the time. Don't, don't let time, folks, don't waste time. Okay, please, you only have 24 hours a day. You only have 70 years promised. Every day of your life, you should be productive. This is a key to productivity. When I, teach Christ, when I teach Christian time management, this is one of the verses that I use. Make the best use of your time. What is, the, what is the best use of your time? There's a lot of things you could be doing, but what is the best use of your time? Let your speech always be gracious, like Jesus's, Seasoned with salt, seasoned with loyalty. Remember, salt is loyalty in the Bible. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with loyalty. You know, when, when people speak, 
when a man speaks disloyally about his wife, when a wife speaks disloyally about her husband, when, when employees speak disloyally about their bosses, okay, when church members speak disloyally about their pastors, when pastors speak disloyally about their members, that, that's not right. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with loyalty, so that you may know how to answer each person. So, all right, so graciousness and loyalty is how you know how to answer. Tychius will tell you about all my activities. He's a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. All right, so Tychius, there's, we have three descriptions of him. He's a fellow servant in the Lord, he's a faithful minister, and he's a beloved brother. And notice, he said, he will tell you about all my activities. Paul said, listen, my life's an open book. He said, there, there's nothing hidden about my life. He'll tell you everything about what's going on with me. He said, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful brother and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has taken place here. All right, Kaya, we see twice here, no secrets. Paul says, my life's an open book. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. All right, so John Mark is working closer with Paul now. Now, for many years, he, he had a very tra different trajectory of his life because he'd walked away from the ministry. But later on, down near the end of Paul's life, now we find John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, the guy who walked out on them at Pamphylia. I mean, we find him back. Now, the trajectory of his life changed. Most of his life, he spent ministering in the small Jewish synagogue with Peter, as Peter was the apostle to the, to the Jews. But now, he's coming back near Paul, who had this huge worldwide ministry. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. He said, these are the only men of the circumcision. These are the only Jews. He said, that's it. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, let me just back up here. You know, Paul is very clear about this because he's, he's writing to a Gentile church, all right? And he's saying, listen, I don't surround myself with Jewish people of the circumcision. He said, you know that. He said, my, my focus is on Gentile ministry. You always have to be careful of perceptions. People develop perceptions based on who you hang out with. Let me say that again. People develop perceptions based on who you hang out with. Now, sometimes as Pinoys, we're not cautious about this. And we're in another country. And rather than try to minister to the people of that country, we just hang out with the other Pinoys and people think that they can't get into us and that we're not interested in them. We have to learn, be cognizant of how people perceive your relationships and your focus of life. Apophras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, okay? Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. This guy was a prayer. This guy was a prayer warrior. All right? This guy could pray. And he said, listen how he prays for the members, that you may stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. So prayer for members. This is how leaders pray for members. Number one, that you may stand mature. And number two, fully assured in all the will of God. 
For I bear witness, bear him witness, that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Herapolis. Now you have to understand, if this is Ephesus down here right along the coast, you've got all these other cities up here, the seven churches of Asia, of which Laodicea, Colossae, and Herapolis are part of. Now Herapolis was more of a like Baguio. It was more of the resort city where everybody went to relax and enjoy themselves, more of a vacation city. Laodicea and Colossae were, were more residential cities. And notice, he said, I bear witness that he worked hard for you. Now, th this is something that was a theme in all of Paul's writings about leadership. Leaders work hard. And he said, you know what? You tell people when leaders are hard workers. He said, there's a lot of lazy preachers out there, but he said, this guy worked hard for you. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. All right, so we have a starter church, church that is in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Now, where is this letter? We have no idea. This is one of the lost letters of Paul. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, now this is something I would challenge every young pastor about. Every young person has got a call of God in your life. You have to see that you fulfill the ministry. You, you can't wait for everybody else to open doors for you. You can't wait for everybody else to do everything for you. You've got to get out and bust your butt and get to work. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Every young pastor out there pioneering, you know what, you, you've got to see to it. It's your responsibility. You receive that ministry in the Lord. Now, you have to see to it that you fulfill that ministry. You've got to get up and get to work every day. You've got to learn to, to be like um, Epaphras, who worked hard for you. You've got to learn to pray for the members. You've got to fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Don't just play with it. Fulfill it in Jesus' name. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be to you. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 1, and I'm going to read to you today the NLT, the New Living Translation, only because sometimes with these Old Testament prophets, you need to see the clarity in which they spoke. Chapter 8, verse 1. In that day, says the Lord, the enemy will break open the graves of the kings and the officials of Judah and the graves of the priests and prophets and the common people of Jerusalem. And they will spread out their bones on the ground before the sun, the moon, and the stars. The gods my people have loved, served, and worshipped. And I read a wow next to that. He said, all right, you've worshipped these gods. Now your bones will lay out before these false gods. Their bones will not be gathered up again or buried, but will be scattered on the ground like manure. And the people of this evil nation who survive will wish to die rather than live where I send them. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Now there's a a powerful title of God. The Lord of heaven's armies. (laughs) The Lord, I don't even dare start preaching on that one. Jeremiah said to the people, This is what the Lord says. When the people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? Then why do these people stay on their self-destructive path? And why do the people of Israel refuse to turn back? Now, folks, that's just not natural. But, you know, folks, we still see people, we see Christians acting like this today. They're on self-destructive paths, and they refuse to repent and turn back. They cling tightly to their lies, wow, and will not turn around. God said, I listen to their conversations, and I don't hear a word of truth. Is anyone sorry for doing wrong? Does anyone say what a terrible thing I have done? No. They are all running down the path of sin as swiftly as a horse galloping into battle. Even the stork that flies across the sky knows the time of her migration, as do the turtle dove, the swallow, and the crane. They all return at the proper time each year, but not my people. They don't know the Lord's laws. He said, you know, the creation does things by instinct that my people that I gave a brain to won't even do. How can you say we are wise because we have the word of the Lord? (laughs) I know the Bible. I've read the Bible. (laughs) When your teachers have twisted it by writing lies. Do you know the Bible or do you know what people are saying about the Bible? These wise teachers will fall into the trap of their own foolishness, for they have rejected the word of the Lord. Are they so wise after all? I will give their wives to others and their farms to strangers from the least to the greatest. Their lives are ruled by greed. Even my prophets and priests are like that. They are all frauds. Wow. In that day, the prophets and the priests were all frauds. And you wonder about false prophets in the world today. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. In other words, no effect. There's no effect. They're just putting a band-aid on a deadly wound. You've been cut through to the heart and you're bleeding internally and they they put a band-aid on the wound. He said, this is what the prophets and priests were like. They, They just say nice little things and everybody feels happy with the nice little words. 
They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Are they ashamed with these disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. <laughs> he said, He said, man, they didn't even know how to they didn't even know how to blush and admit when they're wrong. Therefore I will lie, therefore they will lie among the slaughtered. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. I will surely consume them. There will be no more harvest of figs and grapes. Their fruit trees will die. Whatever I gave them will soon be gone. I, the Lord, have spoken. All right, so God gives. God takes away. Then the people will say, why should we wait here to die? Come, let us go to the fortified cities and die there. For the Lord our God has decreed our destruction and has given us a cup of poison to drink because we sinned against the Lord. We hoped for peace, but no peace came. We hoped for a time of healing, but found only terror. The snorting of the enemy's war horses can be heard all the way from Dan in the north. The neighing of their stallions makes the whole land tremble. They are coming to devour the land and everything in it, cities and people alike. I will send these enemy troops among you like poisonous snakes you cannot charm. They will bite you and you will die. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 18. Jeremiah begins to speak. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people ask? Is her king no longer there? Wow. They wanted to make a man king, but now they're looking for God to be king. Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord? The harvest is finished and the summer is gone, the people cry, yet we are not saved. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? Chapter 9, verse 1. If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all my people who have been slaughtered. Oh, that I could go away and forget my people and live in a, in a traveler's shack in the desert. For they are all adulterers, a pack of treacherous liars. My people bend their tongues like bows to shoot out lies. You wonder where the concept of Flaming darts and arrows comes from in the New Testament. Here's where Paul gets some of this from. They bend their tongues like bows to shoot out lies. They refuse to stand up for the truth. They only go from bad to worse. They do not know me, says the Lord. Beware of your neighbor. Don't even trust your brother. For brother takes advantage of brother. A friend slanders friend. They all fool and defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues, they tell lies. Wow. Practiced tongues. Now, you, this, this is all such a hard part to read because it's the broken heart of God over his people. But I want you to notice pieces of truth that you learn here. Practiced tongues, they tell lies. You know there are people that are really bad liars, and there are people that are really good liars, and they can fool anybody. Now, I know you read these things in the magazines and you see these things on YouTube, how to recognize a lie and look for the micro signs and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? 
There are people that are so skilled at lying because they've done it so much that you can never tell. There are men that are so good at lying to their wives that their wives never even know that they have an affair. Practiced tongues. One of the things you never want to practice is lying. They pile up lie upon lie and utterly refuse to acknowledge me, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Here's this God's title again. See, I will melt them down in a crucible and test them like metal. What else can I do for my people? For their tongue shoot lies like poisoned arrows. Okay, here are these darts again that Paul talks about. They speak friendly words to their neighbors while scheming in their hearts to kill them. You call this today being two-faced. Shall I not punish them for this, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself against such a nation? I will weep for the mountains and wail for the wilderness pastures, for they are desolate and empty of life, and the lowing of cattle is heard no more, and the birds and the wild animals have all fled. I will make Jerusalem into a heap of ruins, says the Lord. It will be a place haunted by jackals. The towns of Judah will be ghost towns with no one living in them. Who is wise enough to understand all this? Who has been instructed by the Lord and can explain it to others? Why has the land been so ruined that no one dares to travel through it? Israel, The land of Israel was so destroyed by the sins of Israel, the ten tribes, and Judah, the two tribes, that there comes a point that the land is ruined. The Lord replies, this has happened. Because my people have abandoned my instructions. They have refused to obey what I said. Instead, they stubbornly followed their own desires. Wow. They stubbornly followed their own. You never want to do this, brothers and sisters. I promise you, the plans and the blessings that God has for you far surpass anything you could think of. Never stubbornly follow your own desires. And they worship the images of Baal as their ancestors taught them. So now, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Look, I will feed them with bitterness and give them poison to drink. I will scatter them around the world in places they and their ancestors have never heard of. And even there, I will chase them with the sword until I have destroyed them completely. Now, brothers and sisters, if you look across world history, <laughs> seen in world history, you, you look at when God scattered the people of Israel. To this day, they're just now coming back. Scattered across Africa, scattered across Northern Europe and Eastern Europe and Western Europe and Northern Europe, scattered across the continents of the USA, Canada, South America. I mean... <laughs> These people have been scattered around the world for their sins. And even in those places of being scattered, people like Hitler rise up. And, and anti-Semitism rises up and, and scatters them even more. And they're, they're chased even more. I, I just read about a new thing, of a, a new group that's replacing the Nazis in Northern Europe. And, and their big thing is they hate Jews. And you go, why? Why do you hate the Jews? It's the devil. But brothers and sisters, right now, all over the world, God is bringing the Jewish people back to the promised land. This time of scattering that begins to be prophesied here and 
goes all through the New Testament. This scattering has ended, and now Jews are coming home from all over the world. Pastor A was telling me the story the other night about a hotel that the Mossad, the Jewish Secret Service, built inside uh, another nation. They built this five-star hotel, and the whole purpose of it was to be an escape route for Jews to leave that nation and make aliyah, that's what they call it, and come coming back to the land. When you come with us to Israel, some of the guides that you will meet, like Eli, he was in America for generations with his family. And one day God spoke to him to come home. You look at Marsha, also one of the, the people who works with IGT. Her family is all from Brazil, but she's made Aliyah. And she's come home to the land of Israel. All over the world, God is calling his people back home. The days of scattering are over that Jeremiah prophesies of. And now these are the days of return. All right, we're going to close out today. And as we close out, I want to remind you of the service tonight at 6 o'clock as we get going in the book of Romans again. And I, we begin to take one of the most difficult passages of Paul that he talks about. And with the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to make it simple. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.